0: Have you ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless? Well, even if I don't know these answers, I can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn-related. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus. With the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit it does sound a little too good to be true. But unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for Startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com startups.
1: Howdy, folks. It is Thursday, February 23rd. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla and you listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking about Section 230, why it's in the news this week, the 26 words that helped the internet become what it is today, and how it all could change. But first, let's take a quick look at what else is going on in the world of business and tech. Let's get Craig All right. In today's news, Microsoft said it's bringing its AI chatbot to the Bing mobile app, which you can speak to, which is pretty cool. And JP Morgan, on the other hand, is restricting employees from using ChatGPT. Moving along, Bloomberg reported that Apple is reportedly making progress on a 12-year-old top secret project to develop non-invasive glucose monitoring tech that it hopes to one day put into the Apple Watch, and that it's spent hundreds of millions on so far. Spotify is rolling out an automated DJ feature that boasts a stunningly realistic voice, it says. Next month, the company is expected to launch a new homepage design in its app that might be built around vertically scrolling content. The company has had a tough time growing its Gen Z segment, so I don't know, making their app a little more like TikTok probably isn't the worst strategy in the world. Also, Amazon wants its workers back in the office three days a week, uh, but more than 14,000 of them have joined an internal Slack channel advocating for remote work. Also in the Amazon world, you can now stream audio from certain fire TVs directly to cochlear hearing implants. Moving along, Tome, a startup that can create entire slide presentations with a text prompt, raised $43 million in Series B funding at a $300 million valuation. That's pretty cool. We've also got some drama, vegan cheese company Miyoko's Creamery is suing its ousted founder for allegedly stealing proprietary recipes and trade secrets. Although, I don't don't know, vegan cheese may or may not even be good trade secrets, you know? We'll see. But, uh, and last but not least, Bill Gates has said he isn't a big beer drinker, but nonetheless bought a 3.76% stake in Heineken's parent company. So Juliet, I know, I know this story's up your alley. I titled it "It's Game Time for a Horror Giant," and it goes something like this. So we got Paranormal Activity, Get Out, Megan, The Purge, some scary stuff we're talking about here, and all of it comes from Blumhouse Productions. But while these movies are frightening and all, More horrifying, I think, just maybe missing uh, what Blumhouse thinks is a lucrative opportunity to get in on the global video game industry, which, according to Bloomberg, is more valuable than film and music industries combined. So they're building out this new division called Blumhouse Games, and the group plans to start producing and publishing just a whole bunch of immersive horror-themed games. And they're going to tap independent developers to do this. They're going to specifically work on kind of lower budget games, the sub $10 million range, aiming to finance around 15 titles over the next three to four years. And they've hired some real industry veterans to build this out. And uh, on top of this, they're hoping to build a real horror empire this year. They're, they're looking to close a merger with uh, The Conjuring director, James Wan's Atomic Monster production company this summer. And uh, I think this is a really just smart move for them to be making.
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely agree here. They definitely have several movies already that I could see become games. They also have, I'm assuming, probably a lot of horror scripts that they have not yet turned into movies that could be games. And there's also a lot of crossover with survival horror games that they could turn into movies. Mm. Not all of those have been successful. There have been some real bad crossovers in the past. But as we've seen with The Last of Us, you can take a horror game and turn it into something that is really great. So, yeah. I think this is uh, almost a no-brainer for them.
1: Yeah. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So those 26 words from a 1996 law have helped companies like Facebook, Twitter, and Google, grown to the giants they are today, this week, some cases at the U.S. Supreme Court are calling it into question. And any changes made to this law could have enormous impacts on the Internet services we use every day. So, Juliette, what is going on here? What is Section 230 and what should people know about it?
2: So Section 230 is part of the Communications Decency Act, which was passed in 1996. Uh, it was attempting to prevent minors from accessing adult content online. It is just 26 words and it basically states that website operators cannot be sued over what users post or comment. So for example, Facebook cannot be held liable for something that someone posts on Facebook or Instagram. If you are a blogger or a media outlet, you cannot be sued over something that someone puts in your comment section. And then these sites also may set the policies for what gets removed and what doesn't. And they don't have anyone that tells them how they're supposed to be new with that. Now, We've seen this come into court before. Uh, An early interesting case from 1997, there was an artist, Ken Zarin, who started just receiving a barrage of threatening phone calls. People saying, you're disgusting. I'm going to come beat you up. How dare you? He's like, "Uh, what's going on here? It turns out somebody was posting ads for very offensive Oklahoma City bombing merchandise on AOL. And then the ads would say, yeah, if you want to buy this stuff, call this number. Well, that was Ken's number, Ken had nothing to do with it, but he was getting all of these phone calls from people who were angry about it. So in 1997, he sued AOL and he lost because AOL was not liable for what this anonymous troll used its platform to post. And to this day, we still don't know who that troll was. So since then, Section 230 has been cited in uh, at least 350 cases, according to NPR, although most lawsuits are dismissed before they're even heard. So that is kind of a a low number.
1: Okay, so this all happened back in the 90s but facebook youtube twitter really weren't uh, even thoughts back then so what do they have to do with what's happening today and and kind of what what's going to be the impact of any changes uh, made to this on them
2: right so These websites that people are talking about today are much, much bigger than the websites people were talking about in the 90s. We're talking Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, et cetera. And so a lot of people think Section 230 needs to be either reformed or in some cases repealed. Some people are like, hey, there's way too much hate speech and dangerous misinformation. Other people, including the Trump administration, have claimed that by allowing the platforms to moderate as they will, that allows them to suppress suppress certain ideologies over other ones. So what's happening with these lawsuits? On Tuesday, the Supreme Court heard a case in which uh, a 23 year old student was killed in Paris. She was studying abroad there. She was killed in a terrorist attack. And her family is suing Google because they allege that YouTube's algorithms were serving people and recommending people extremist terrorist videos and that YouTube should be held accountable for these terrorist attacks. And that is sort of interesting because isn't, is an algorithm covered by Section 230? We don't know. And then yesterday, I heard another very similar case, which concerned a family who was suing Twitter. They also had a loved one who was killed in a terrorist attack. In that case, they are trying to argue that Twitter is aiding and abetting terrorists by allowing them to post on the platform, which would be against the law to aid and abet a terrorist. But is that what Twitter is doing in this case? That is what the Supreme Court is uh, trying to decide. So any changes we made to Section 230 would significantly change the way that we use the internet, potentially in a couple of different ways. If big tech companies were afraid that they could be sued for stuff that people posted, they might just uh, start moderating uh, really intensely. Maybe some people who run blogs or media outlets would delete their comment sections entirely. So there's quite a number of things that could happen, which is why advocates of Section 230 are basically like, hey, this protects small websites and bloggers too, and it is absolutely crucial to maintaining free speech on the internet as we know it.
1: All right, and that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in to The Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Ezra Trupiano, our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter, which you can sign up for at thehustle.co slash email. Hope you have a terrific Thursday. We'll catch you tomorrow. Hey,
0: everybody. Let me tell you about this great podcast that's available right now. Creator Science, hosted by Jay Klaus, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is the audio destination for business professionals. Creator Science goes behind the scenes with today's top creators. Through narrative interviews, Jay Klaus explores how creators like Tim Urban, James Clear, Tori Dunlap, and Cody Sanchez are building their audiences today. And by learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity, creator science can help you gain tools and confidence to do exactly the same. I was actually listening to an episode recently where Jay had on Dr. K, who is a Harvard psychiatrist, and Dr. K helps a lot of creators with performance burnout and dealing with a lot of negative feedback online it's a great hour of conversation with dr k where dr k really breaks down what it means to be a creator today and the burnout that a lot of creators do experience and what to do when you get that burnout because you will and you can listen to creator science wherever you get your podcast and i definitely suggest it listen to creator science wherever you get your podcasts